Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer, board, recorder, videos, and a tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DMLA livestream, Crafting Icewind Down, which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you're playing characters of a Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or a Thimbleweed, this is not the right stream for you, but for the rest of you, welcome. We'll, of course, be spoilers. We stream our D&D sessions all live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our sessions and review videos here on the channel. You can follow me on Twitter at RogueWatson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you would like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use Roll20, and for streaming, I use open broadcaster software. With Streamlabs, we return to the Spire of Ariel Larthus, the final, final, final area of this now uh, almost officially two-year-long campaign. I think April 30th will mark our session zero. And it is currently 4.20. Insert stupid jokes here. <laughs> um, the first room is going to be a big battle. And I kind of went over most of the Spire on Monday. I'm just going to kind of rehash a bit of that. We can discuss any of the other details. I have no idea how far we'll make it, especially because I'm planning on this being a fairly decent-sized battle here. And even, I mean, even an easy battle, which we kind of had... Last week still takes a long time at this level. It's just everything takes longer, I think, with higher-level players having so many options at their disposal. Uh, it's going to start with no surprise round. There will be four flying brains in jars. All of them have the ability to do the Mind Blast Illithid thing where they can stun people in a cone. I will most likely make the mages and the brains themselves immune to that. But I will be very cognizant about keeping things balanced where they're not all four just going to be mind blasting every every single uh, chance they get necessarily because they could very quickly just immediately stun lock the players and we've already established through years of playing that this is not a, a hardcore uh, D&D group that appreciates uh, me trying to be as tactically challenging as possible in every single case uh, instead it seems to work best if I can balance things a bit on the fly and and usually I make things a little bit easier when I balance uh, occasionally the one thing I might do is add new uh, enemies or something, but I think in this case I'm not going to have to plan on doing that. I, I am hoping to drain the party's resources a little bit to make them at least have to short rest once before they uh, get further in and have to take on the actual final boss, but this won't be the only battle. This is a bunch of Majin, there are three Hypnos Majin, four Demos Majin, and four Brains in a Jar, so... the I guess the biggest battle they've had so far this level, which honestly there hasn't been that many battles in general. Uh, I will think I'm going to have this door be locked. Uh, and I, can, I, can, I forgot I can actually lock it. 
uh, because this will kind of be the employees only room, although I don't believe it's actually labeled as such in the adventure itself. Is uh, B, the ballroom. And that leads towards the fact this one little hallway is not even labeled. But I like the idea that the uh, public access areas are the middle ballroom, the bar over here, which we could even just have this door be opened uh, to begin with. And this is kind of a lounge area. In fact, maybe we'll... There's no point locking that door. It's fine because they can get into the bar here. Uh, and then these are all offices, which you could just leave these unlocked for the party to be able to just kind of step in. And I mentioned that they could possibly just loot some spell scrolls or something from these rooms. But most of this shit should be just in ruins and half frozen. And the only thing in here should be things that are not normally alive. So you've got the undead, you've got constructs, and you've got this unique uh, brain in a jar thing. And I think in the next level, we have some living spells we can use as well. Um, in terms of a locked door, I don't know what would make this. This is all optional over here, so you could gate this as a pretty tough lock. Maybe even magically locked? I don't think... Um, all that does is make the uh, DC higher, doesn't it? If they literally use arcane lock on it. Cause, like, imagine this is a magic city, so they would probably use this versus a normal lock. Uh, let's see. Passable until it's broken or the spell is dispelled or suppressed. Casting knock on the object suppresses arcane. I believe they do have a device that lets them open doors, right? Don't they have like a chime of opening or something? Gives them an excuse to use that ability. The brackets action pointing an object on 20 feet of you. The chime issues a clear tone and one lock or latch on the object uh, opens unless the sound can't reach the object. How does the chime of opening interact with the magically locked stuff, though? I mean, it does say it opens locks. So maybe I would just let them use that. I mean, it would be kind of dumb to have this device that literally only opens doors and you as a DM say, uh-uh, that's not going to work on this door. Like, well, okay, why do I have this then? <laughs> so I'm probably okay with them using that if they remember they can pull that out. This becomes locked for the duration. While affected by the spell, the object is more difficult to break or force open. The DC to break it or pick any locks on it increases by 10. Or you can just use that chime of opening, but I think I will mention that that door is locked. Let's see, uh, door to east hallway, which includes, uh, what does it include? Y, D, E, and F. D, E, and F is locked with arcane lock. Maybe turn that into like a DC 20, although even a 20 is really nothing for the party at this point. DC 20 can be dispelled or used chime of opening. And it's basically an employees only. Sign above, or you know, like staff only or something. I don't know. We'll do staff only. Because this is the public access. The offices, I guess, would also not be public access, but I don't think they would be guarded necessarily. Served as offices for bureaucrats who ran the Citadel's day-to-day -day operations. Contains a single table, a cabinet filled with thrown parchment scrolls, and dresser containing writing materials. Everything's in disarray and covered with ice. 
I mean, you could lock them, but... I guess that means the players have to at least spend more of their time of opening, or do, you know, they just be similar locks to this. I don't feel like I should put traps here. I don't know if they would bother putting traps in place. This is the high wizard area and high security. Could have a weapon storage area. There actually is a weapon storage area, uh, Stan. By the way, I'm glad you're out of the hospital. I hope, I hope you're doing better. Um, it's Y19F down here, which I actually did include a little weapons rack. I tried to, like, I tried to put some details in some of these rooms, just a bare minimum. Um, I think I need to fill out this bar, though, if I can. Maybe I can find... Uh, I wonder if I search bar, if it'll give me the right kind of bar. Ah, I've got a lot of things for my library that has a bar in it. Great. Bard, Barbarian, Arlgura. <laughs> these are... Not the most appropriate things to have. Uh, uh, I need to look up the bar description better. Uh, but yeah, Y19F is a staff storage. It doesn't have any actual magical staves, and I was going to ask all of you if I feel like I should even include a magic staff in here, if they should just be um, like cool spell-focused stuff. And I could make them all worth money. Um whatever an arcane focus would normally be worth. I don't know, does that have like a monetary value? 5 GP. Kind of chump change. But I could make these a lot more valuable, maybe 20 GP or something, because they're, I mean, they have all really cool descriptions. It's just a shame none of them are actually magical. But on the other hand, I don't want to give them a bunch of magical stats <laughs> at this point. They feel like they have a lot of things. Trap should be nasty. Yeah. I guess I could include a trap in this hallway. Really up the... Because there's no... Otherwise, the only... Well, there is the one with the force bubble, which is kind of interesting, up above. Uh, and then there's this kind of gap with the invisible force bridge, which I could just delete that and make it just a straight-up gap. Um... Otherwise, I don't think there's any real damaging traps anywhere here. And like I said, I wouldn't include any in this public area. And there's not really anything for the players to interact with or do, especially once they've dispelled this illusion. Everything would just kind of be, you know, destroyed. We could look up, let's see. Yeah, a wand uh, could be there. Yeah, you could look at an art piece, so maybe a, each one will be worth some money. Um, something that doesn't require attunement at this level would probably be good, because I feel like with attunement, weirdly as the DM, I have to, I'm in an arms race with myself when it comes to attunement now, because the players have relatively great equipment, which they should, level freaking 14, but limited attunement slots. So anything I give them, I have to look and see what they're currently attuned to, and see if anybody would actually... Uh, if, if that if any of those items are worth exchanging their attunement for versus something that doesn't maybe require attunement, then it's just kind of a good item to have. But we got to be careful because just handing over like a wand of fireballs, that gets a little uh, a little dangerous to do. On the other hand, something small and minor might not matter because we're literally like several sessions to the end of the game. Like, you know, Wand of Secrets, very cool. Secret doors or traps within 30 feet of you. 
Um, I don't know if they'll encounter much of any at this point, though. <laughs> I guess I could uh, show up with traps. You have to be very proactive, though. You have to use it. It doesn't just glow whenever you're around danger. You have to use it as an action. And then you find it if it's in, within 30 feet. It's a thought. I also thought about putting some potions in the bar area. Maybe if they get to the back and kind of sift through there and find some interesting potions that are still drinkable. Would be in 919H. They can find spell scrolls in the office buildings, which I could lock down. Uh, in terms of locked doors, and I'm willing to hear any suggestions on interesting arcane traps the party might have to deal with, but that also makes sense thematically. Like, I don't... I don't know how... I mean, this is a bureaucrat building. Now, there should be some security systems involved, but I don't know if they would, for example, want to straight-up murder people or trespassing. <laughs> and yet, if you do things like, you know, oh, it, it paralyzes you into a stasis or something, I always thought that's such a weird thing to include as a hazard trap, uh, even though it thematically makes sense, unless the party specifically is dealing with, like, patrolling monsters or other things around there, because otherwise the paralyzed just wears off and nothing really happens. There's no, like, you know, because the only thing that you can permanently use to uh, get through to the party is uh, hit point damage, or if you could somehow force them to expend, you know, spell slots and abilities to get past something as well. Hey, Daryl. By the way, welcome to the Patreon. I appreciate your support. All of Winter has an opening quest. I don't know that one. My players just finished foaming mugs and are set to enter Brinchin for the first time in the ninth session. Exciting! You are... Yeah, I want to see what's after the trap. Uh, you are starting a journey for sure. I love some of the changes you've made. We'll be borrowing and modifying bits and pieces of it. Just wanted to say the DM notes have been very helpful so far. Thank you. I've tried to organize them better than I did with Tomb. <laughs> uh, in terms of having subfolders and some more outlined notes than I think Tomb was rather sporadic. I've been slowly doing better about being organized in my D&D notes. You go back all the way to like Princes and Fandelver and it was just an absolute disaster. It has been a lot of changes I've had to make, though. It's, you know, ultimately, I've enjoyed this campaign a bit. It's It's been good for me as a DM in terms of how I fix have to fix things that I didn't really have to do in Tomb, for example. It's helped me grow as a DM in a lot of ways. But boy, it definitely took a lot of work to make this plot more interesting, have things make sense, and just improve the bare-bones plot structure that was in the base book. It was kind of shocking how disconnected everything feels like in the original book. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check that. Well, not check it out now, I guess, because I don't really need it, but there was a similar um, quest for Tomb that was highly recommended. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember at the time it was lauded as a really popular interesting way to kick off the Tomb of Annihilation adventure. One of the nice things, by the way, of not running an adventure right when it comes out is because you allow a lot of really awesome third-party designers to come up with all these great supplements 
and even you know like dm note type stuff but also just adventure content that fits in really really well with the main campaign so if you can wait a little bit you know we're all want to jump in on stuff when it first releases but the longer you can wait the more cool content it's kind of like a video game where you know you can get it when it right releases that's fine but if you wait then you get all the dlc and you probably get it a discount and all these you know extra patches and and balance changes and things and it's often just a way better game months or even years down the line and i think that's probably true of D&D 5e campaigns as well if you can actually wait a little bit longer six months or nine months or something to get some of this third-party content that comes out you can take a lot of advantage of it and in this case rhyme came out in i want to say late 2020 i think and i didn't start it until spring 2021 and i think even by the time i started it we already had expanded towers of etherin had already been released and i knew i was going to run it and then it still took me two years of getting it together and being able to use uh, other supplements that came out while I was running it. Now, not everybody's going to take two years to play through a campaign, but kind of a bit of obvious advice, I guess, is the longer you wait, the more cool content you can take advantage of. It traps all of the next level, but none here, really. You're right, this area is more of the public area, like a private club. Yes, that's how I like it. Um, I, I did mention I want to gate this one little section uh, on the east, this east hallway is kind of an employees-only section. It's going to have a locked door. And notice how I've got the Demos Majin kind of acting like guards. However, all the Majin just turned hostile because of the brains got upset. And they would just basically somehow be able to detect, like, oh, hostile presence. So we need to, you know, attack these guys. Uh, whether or not I want to actually have traps in here, I'm not sure. I just don't see how, at least how lethal these traps would be. And if you don't have lethal damaging traps then kind of what's the point if you're not in combat? You know, if you have, like, knockout gas or paralyzing things and that kind of effect. Unless I do, like, an off-camera, like, oh, and a bunch of mages swarm in and attack you. But we just had this big battle with a bunch of stuff. So what I'll probably do is just have the locked door. And I guess you could you could have maybe further doors locked. Like, this one could then also be locked with a trap or something. Or maybe not locked and just have a trap because players would be like, oh, you know, I wonder if this is a thing if, if you all have played with roll 20 with these dynamic lighting doors if players are just tapping on doors more often instead of being cautious and uh, like saying oh i need to investigate this door and you know slowly as you would in maybe a theater of the mind situation except when you're here on a token map and you see a clickable door how often do you say oh, okay and you just somebody clicks that door open and the dms be like and now you just triggered the trap that you failed to care about <laughs> like that's an interesting almost like human psyche thing we need to study. I, I don't, I haven't played around with these doors long enough to make a judgment call on that. I don't know if any of you have been able to. Uh, this alchemist lab, I did change a little bit. I, I kept it the uh, brain, what is it called? Liquefaction chamber. However, I'm removing Veneranda and basically just treating Katavix as their NPC that knows the things that they're accompanying. He's the Orvex, the, the classic, like I know the stuff if you need to ask me, but I'm not a combatant in this case. Um, although like, it sounds like they will treat him better than Orvix, at least. I did give him like a Necromancer stat block, but I really don't want to turn him into a combatant. And I've already got freaking Valin as a DM NPC, essentially, who's kind of hilariously weak because, again, I don't want to show the players up and the players are, frankly, strong enough to be able to handle everything. Uh, I was going to turn this into a mini battle, though, with just some undead to kind of tease the fact that they've been doing the ritual brain transfer, but it all hasn't always been very successful. They've had some failures, there's been a lot of deaths in here, and that will manifest as uh, these Alep Undead, which is one of my favorite of the ghostly stat blocks. 
because of two very cool people, uh, or, sorry, people, powers. Howling Babble on a recharge of six. Each creature within 30 feet has to make a wisdom saving throw. That's a big AoE, and it can stun everybody. At least this time, it's not a you're stunned forever. It is uh, you're stunned until the end of its next turn, which I think is probably needs to be baked into all stuns, frankly. Uh, maybe in the next edition we'll do that. And I could I could even do that for the Brain in the Jar, too, but we already fought one and already had that rule put in place. But I do like that that is specifically only a one-turn stun, and it's a recharge six, so more than likely they can't just keep doing that. But then the other ability, also a wisdom save, uh, you have to make the save or use your reaction to attack somebody close to you. Both just really, really good, like, mindfuck powers. And they're kind of a glass cannon. They don't have very good AC or hit points. They won't stick around too long, and I would probably make this a surprise round. So, all in all, I'm looking forward to using the Alep creatures in this one little situation. I think two is enough to just get the point across and not have to worry about a big long battle here. I'm not sure about loot here. Um, if you all have any good ideas for what the party could possibly find in a liquefaction chamber, essentially like an alchemist laboratory, uh, obviously potions would be at the top of my list for that. I was doing pre-prep during the OGL debacle, so I was throwing cash to every third-party product and find I picked a bunch of stuff to wade through, plan on doing the expanded towers too. Nice. There is some good stuff out there, yeah. I mean, I the... the um, the Encounters series by Christian Joyce has always been uh, pretty solid. I think the last one, uh, there's a review I did that I reviewed a kind of a compilation book that included like 10 or 12 of them, and I kind of ranked them. And remember, there was some Icewind Dale content in there that's pretty good. You can find a lot of good stuff on there. I haven't found as much as I did with Tomb. I don't know if Tomb was just a lot more popular of an adventure for people to write supplements for. But there is some good stuff. Vacation Chamber. No notes about treasures in here. <laughs> they can actually go through the Ritual Brain Transfer. Seems kind of extreme. I do plan on using the Conjoined Brain in a Jar Helmed Horror at some point, but probably as either minions or like a minion of the Elder Brain. I have not yet. We'll talk about that probably starting next week. We'll talk about the actual final boss of Uriel Arthas and what I want to do, because that will be a huge change. I'm not using the map. I'm not using the Demi-Lich, any of that. I'm changing a lot of that. And that will be a challenge to be able to concoct a balanced, satisfying boss fight against a giant elder brain and what kind of minions I can have in there and what kind of things uh, could be going on in that room. We just search uh, potion. Although, they'd also find potions in the bar, wouldn't they? And there doesn't have to be treasure in here. Not every room has to have something worthwhile. This could be all just destroyed shit. Maybe they could find poisons, but again, they're so late in the game, I don't... Almost feels like it doesn't matter. I guess I should stop thinking about that. Like, loot is still fun. The members bar. The area is shown to be a frozen ruin bereft of inhabitants. A rectangular counter. Uh, which I take it that on the map, this is literally like the bar area. And then this would be like maybe tables and chairs. So maybe I can include a little bit of that in there. It does say they can find 2,000 year old wine. That's worth 50 gold to an interested buyer. I mean, that's fine. Like, treasure loot is fine. 
um, potions are it's really going to be fun for the players. What would be like heroism, maybe something, some kind of buff type potion, maybe that they would have available here under like maybe you could put that in an extra safe that's trapped or something, make it more interesting. Back to the bar area, see if we can fill this out better. Fortunately, it's not a very conventional bar. Would a bar look like for weird height? What's giving me a bunch of barrels? Oh, I guess bar. You can't spell bar without barrels. God, everything's barrels. So many barrels. Tavern would be a better thing to search by. Ah, just a blank wooden bar. That's not bad. Because it would be definitely empty. Looking at. There we go. They still use wood, or would it be like stone? Not a lot of wood in this flying city. I feel like they would shape everything out of stone, though. Can I maybe I just get rid of the dynamic lighting and treat this right here as the bar counter? Have to uh, redo this bit of dynamic lighting, which I can do. Mine collection would be amazing. Yeah, let's actually delete this. This. And we will. You draw the dynamic lighting right there. So we're going to open this up, which I could put a graphic above it. I don't, is there a stone bar, a metal bar? I don't, there's all wooden bars, unfortunately. Looks more like a shelf. They're all excessively wooden. Hmm. Search. Search stone bar, see if that comes in. Ah, the classic rubble. I've used so much of that. Mm, let's see. Door bars. Not what I'm looking for. Oh, I see. Bars like uh, a cell door. Hard to search for some words. <laughs> Granite counters. Some of that for my kitchen. All right, how bad does this look? Maybe they won't notice if we make it small enough. It looks annoyingly wooden. Counter isn't a bad thing to search for, though. The grease spill in a bottle. Do you think they would care? I mean, maybe Edmund would care. Oh, there we go. That actually looks like a granite counter. <laughs> oh, shit. That might work better. Searching for things is a skill. Uh, we can... Not the color I would choose, but... Can I flip this? Yeah. Okay, okay. I kind of put that there. Maybe we'll smallize it a little bit. 
I think we're on to something. There we go. Alright. Yeah, we're gonna have to look pretty, but good enough to... Okay, so that'll work for a bar area, relatively. On a map layer. And then we just need... Some table and chairs, I guess. We're gonna make a first bar. I'm gonna make it look like anything but an empty frickin' room. Again, they wouldn't be... I could say stone table. Let's try... A stone table. Endless water would pair well with a magic mop. Give me from the web. A stone eating table, not a stone tab. Probably getting a lot of stone tablets. I think about it. Can't spell stone tablet without stone stone table. <laughs> Damn it! I've got the table, this big round table over here. I could just use that. I wonder how weird that looks without chairs on the other side. You do smaller versions. There we go. Like bench. Okay. Four by four. That's pretty big, isn't it? Be like that size. Well, that's two by two. Oh, that looks terrible. Turn it to like three by three. That's not bad. Weird to have it, but I mean it's a small bar anyway. Yeah, maybe we'll do something like that. Or you have these long tables. Better with a bunch of long tables. Okay. Hope you like me just decorating this room, by the way. Uh, two. That's thinner. Like that. There we go. With like, there'd be seats out there. Alright, that probably looks better. These long tables here. In. Oh, shoot, I'm pressing the wrong button. Down Alt. There we go. Okay, I think we'll go with that. I don't have to put chairs and shit around. Those are the map layer. Alright, that looks more like a bar. Now we could... We could just have... Uh, what am I looking for? Barrels, crates. I mentioned these are in... Held in storage racks. Trying to search storage rack. There you go, shelf storage. Put that right there. And that could hold the bottles of wine. And we, I mean, we could just have that there. I'm trying to think if there's, otherwise there's no real interesting treasure. So I put the, I could put spells that they can find in here. I've got like a loot table. It's literally the same as the MVPC table where they can explore any of these offices and find, uh, and roll an investigation check to find a spell. I could lock them or I could just have them be open. I guess they would normally be locked. 
Make them go through that chime every time. I have the same thing here where it's like employees or just maybe basically office space. It wouldn't be as guarded, whereas this section would be more guarded. This would be a private office space in here, which they convert into a ritual a brain transfer. This is kind of a guard hallway thing over here. I don't know if I would actually aggro this hypnos mage or not. Maybe he's more like a concierge, I think. Although, if anybody came back here and he didn't have the right credentials, um, maybe would suggest that they leave using the suggestion spell. I could trap the staff storage thing because that is full of extra loot. Um, maybe just include some kind of a cliff of warding thing on here. And this door, I feel like if you're behind the locked hallway, you wouldn't also be locked. I don't know how many locked doors would just be tedious. I leave. Maybe I'll lock the staff storage. Or not lock it, just have it be trapped. Yeah, because otherwise there's not many other trapped. Because a bar area is just free to open, you can explore it, and this lounge area really is nothing, I believe. Well, it says it's an abracadabra. I think the party already got that in the Tower of Conjuration and then promptly ignored it. So, I don't think I'm going to worry about really including anything in here. And then the Force Bridge, I think we can just leave that as a gap and say that uh, Katavix will mention that normally... This is this is kind of a uh, this is not destroyed. This is meant to be this way. It's kind of a drawbridge into the inner sanctum, and it's to help prevent um, a lot of people from basically making it back into uh, that area. And uh, the drawbridge is like literally a um, invisible force field that extends, or a force bridge that extends. And neither he nor the party will know if it's there unless they have some means of, you know, and basically I'm waiting for them to do the classic Indiana Jones thing, right? Where they like, I want to throw sand on it or something. And uh, I will probably have it be down so it's not there right now. So the sand will fall in there and be like, oh, well, I guess we've got to make it across somehow. They would also have to help Valin or Katavix make it across, which is interesting, or. They could leave them behind and tell them, hey, we'll go take care of, you know, your Arthas, you guys stay back and we'll meet you back at the Mythalar or something. I would totally allow that. They just then wouldn't have, although it does kind of fuck them over, they need one of the wizards, uh, which Katavix could mention, to make it into Eriel Arthas. They have to have a wizard sit on a chair. None of the party are wizards, nor uh, are they currently affected by the charms, because those that expire in between. Uh, one thing I'm changing up here in Y19J is that instead of this random NPC called Everlast that talks to the players, I'm going to have Ariel Arthas talk to them. I'm going to have that be a uh, holographic projection of Ariel Arthas, who is, um, you know, it's definitely going to be like a Wizard of Oz situation where it's like you think this is like him and you're having the meeting right now, but in fact this is a projection that he's using which is going to be created by literally like a 
all of these little laser beams in here. And if, if Catavex is with them, he can, you know, mention the fact that this is serves as kind of a, uh, I don't know, a way to manifest. Uh, the, the wizards can manifest themselves. I don't know, what is the reason for this? What was the reason for Everlast? Your loss has created Everlast to aid him in his apprentice, and they're doomed to mission to restore Ether from Ruin. They didn't make it until after they crashed down. So maybe Katavix isn't even aware of this. Instead, this was some kind of... Katavix can warn this was some kind of a... Uh, one of the deterrents they had in case somebody made it this far who was not welcome. And of course, I want to try to angle it like all of those little uh, things that can project... I'm, I'm picturing uh, in the second Spider-Man MCU movie where Mysterio has all those stark drones and the drones can all make images to essentially recreate a 3d world that's kind of what i'm going to try to do here i could even try to make this whole place um the players would be aware of it though they, they make it across and it wouldn't activate until somebody's in there and then it suddenly would create this you know space and you would see Uriel arthas there and he would appear like how he wants others to see him and how katavix would recognize him and the players would be able to talk to him um they would be pretty aware that that would be a uh holographic illusion being created and basically, if they piss off Uriel Arthas or however that conversation goes, if they basically, the, the way they would be able to get past it is if they can convince Uriel Arthas that they are, in fact, like, you know, an enclave of Netherese wizards that have finally made it to here. But I, I could paint Uriel Arthas as not a fool and instead, and, and I think he's supposed to be a lot smarter than that, but I, I'm changing what he is. So I don't know how much I need to actually use. They have a sidebar of him. I don't remember. Like, I know he can even randomly patrol around. Demi Lich. Let's see if it talks about him. Going the ruins. Doesn't mention it there. The end. Doesn't. Uh, he and his apprentices. Does not mention him, I don't think. Hmm. I see what it mentions. I think he's supposed to be clever enough to deal with the player. Maybe it's in here. The Earlarth is the demulation session of running chapter seven. Okay, so that's where I need to look up. There we go. Uh, and so he's not a demulation, so I'm changing all that. I'm lost his body and his blood capabilities. Demulation holds out hope that other Netherese wizards will come to its rescue. Unaware that the Empire of Netheril no longer exists. So do I want to make him, which I think I do, um, delusional, basically. Because the whole time he's been, you know, in this tower and he's spouting like, hey, he turns under lockdown and, you know, business as usual. And, you know, he thinks uh, he's just unaware of the passage of time. And I think that's partly the problem with the whole brain and the transfer thing, brain, ritual of brain transfer that Katowicz has been explaining is that it, it basically kind of drives you insane. <laughs> you just, you know, yeah, you can be effectively immortal but you have no body and all this time passes and it just is not good for the human psyche and he being an elder brain and already having all this power it would be double for him so he would basically still speak in the rose he would be kind of just thinking that maybe that but that would allow the players to maybe trick him somewhat is what i'm somewhat worried about is that he would expect them to be netherese wizards or maybe he thinks they're just plunderers come to attack the city while they're down or something and maybe the players can uh, hopefully have an interesting conversation there, but 
I, I also like the idea of, of your your is getting pissed off, and then he turns on the deterrent system, which is all these the holographic lasers suddenly turn red, angry red, and just start shooting laser beams everywhere and firing at the players before he dissipates. As it, kind of just a fun way to have a social scene with the villain before actually encountering the the big villain. Since I have not, I've only teased him somewhat. Demilich assumes they are rescuers from another Netherese enclave and watches to see what they do. No means of communication, can't be contacted telepathically, which is probably different than Elder Brain in my game. There's new arrivals in silence. Rescue from another Netherese. Okay, so Demilich watches them closely to see how they react to their surroundings. Demilich concludes, based on its observations, the characters are not a rescue team from another Netherese enclave. It tries to destroy them where they can steal any of Aetherin's secrets. So that's probably the angle... I'll actually be going with is even though he's kind of insane um, and initially he can say you can tease the fact that he's been watching them for some time and uh, and and know the fact that they're not you know they don't speak the right language they're dressed very strangely like he knows like even though he's insane uh, basically just delusional about the city's current state he doesn't believe that the city is you know essentially effectively empty and uh, the Mithalar is malfunctioning and all that. He won't listen to any that kind of reason. Game is true of invasion besieged him of the Arcane Brotherhood. A party can fool Damage thinking they belong in Ether by succeeding on TC 13 deception group check. The group check is successful. Either Arthas believes the party is what it pretends to be. On a failed group check, Damage achieves through the party deception and becomes hostile toward the characters. The Damage thinks the characters are rescuers given how they appear and act. It follows them around until something happens to change its mind. Yeah, so I'm going to be careful here and present the situation that the players will be able to do a social scene here, but Iriarthus, even though he's insane, is not necessarily a fool and has been able to observe the players um, and their actions throughout the city, and the players have not necessarily been aware of that. And, for example, maybe he's been able to see out of the Shardle and Golem the whole time, so he's been able to observe them making all their process, going through all the towers and stuff. So that'll be a chance to uh, talk to him, and then I'll have a trap set up where if, if things turn bad, which I'm kind of hoping they do, just because I think the idea of turning that into a kind of laser trap room, also picturing that classic scene in the first Resident Evil movie that nukes like most of the team in that movie, <laughs> that laser uh, grid thing keeps shooting at them. But in, I mean, look at how well this is set up. Like you could just have all these different laser beams come firing out of the party. And maybe you either do deck saves or like each one targets somebody and they have some kind of plus attack. Like, I don't know exactly how I would uh, rule that. I don't know if there's a good spell that has kind of the equivalent of that. Almost, I guess it'd almost be like a scorching ray, but instead of three times, you'd do it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 times. And you would, you know, bump up that damage and somehow just determine... Uh, who's going to be targeted using token fate or something like that? And if you're they're smart, maybe they'll try to escape too. I think is it a closed hatch or an open hatch on the top here? The spire Y19J. Uh, secret door. The hatch is mounted in the ceiling, thirty feet above the floor. It can be spotted from the floor only with a successful DC twenty perception check. Um, I believe this is why having Catavex is important because he would know. The secret to getting out of here. Five foot diameter vertical shaft that extend, that ascends fifty feet to area Y nineteen K. So again, a very interesting. Uh, you just kind of have to deal. You know, there's no solution here. You just have to deal with the slight traversal issue with being able to ascend 
uh, a 30 foot above the ceiling hatch and then ascend 50 feet up and then you reach a freaking dome of force which is effectively a permanent wall of force spell which also has a pair of living blades of disasters who can apparently just make it through the wall Two Living Blades of Disaster guard the double door that blocks the way to area Y19L. The blades attack intruders that move in range of their blind sight, which is 30 feet, and the blades can pass right through the wall of force. And there's a cool little thing where there's a crystal above the door that uh, is what powers the wall. So you could try to knock that off through various means. I think only teleportation gets you through the wall of force. Don't know if it mentions you can dispel it, but I imagine I think it. I think that's part of actually the spell descriptions. You can't dispel it. Yeah, I mean, all damage it can't be dispelled by dispel magic. Can't use ethereal travel either, but I think you can use just regular run-of-the-mill teleportation magic to get out. But I like the fact that you can use some kind of sound-based or earthquake maybe based ability to try to knock that crystal down, which currently powers it. Otherwise, I guess it's just an, a way to keep the players locked in with the uh, swords, which is can be pretty scary. Che speech checks versus him. Use intelligence of prison because insane has made him scientific and more like Edmund. Oh, that's kind of a good idea. Did I actually move the Elder Brain over? I don't remember if I did that or not, or if I have to grab it from here. Elder Brian. Should have a pretty good intelligence, right? 21. Actually, it has really good charisma, too. Weird. Highly charismatic, the Elder Brain. Its charisma is even higher than its intelligence. Huh. I guess because charisma is kind of like mental fortitude in a way. That's fascinating. So actually, I'd probably keep it charisma. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, it's inside check is plus 14. So, I mean, that's where you get an interesting contested check, which with, with as good as uh, Valravan's is, you could roll this very impressive inside check against him if you really want to make them try something. And it wouldn't even be a case of like, oh, this gets you out of the final boss battle, but maybe it gets you out of him firing up the lasers at the end. Ranking is lovely to initiate and maintain telepathic conversations with 10 creatures at a time. Aware of the presence of creatures within five miles of it, that have an intelligence score of four or higher. So clearly, it's been aware of the PCs um, for a good chunk of the time. Charisma is the strength of personality. That's a good line. Thank you, Stan. I'm excited to use this creature. I may even make it larger than large and have it be like taking up half the room or something interesting. We are 14, and then I would add a bunch of other minions and things to it. I think it could be also interesting if you do some kind of a, you know, video game RPG setup where it's like you have to destroy, like, tubes or containers that all have their own AC and stuff, and that way actually, like, unlocks the weight. Like, maybe the brain is encased in a thing, and you have to actually take that down first before you can target the brain itself. An interesting way to kind of bolster its hit points a little bit, because AC of 10 with 200 hit points... Uh, for a big bad boss battle in tier 3 is probably not going to cut the mustard. 
We could have some fun minions though, for sure. More of those brains and jars, more uh, do some helmed horrors. Uh, obviously, could have Majin. Maybe it has even has psychic links with Nothix. I mean, you could go really crazy with the number of minions in this battle. And I do have a map in mind that I'm going to be using, uh, which they won't quite get there until. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping we can do the Spire in two sessions. It's going to be tricky, right? Because we've got. I guess the goal would be to get through one level, one session, which would be this big fight in the main room. Um, any kind of side exploration the party wants to do, which again, Katavix would be able to kind of even know the layout of this place, but, uh, you know, the employees only locked door here or some loot, maybe a mini battle, some loot to explore here, uh, dealing with the force bridge, which is currently not there. And then talking with Uriel Arthas, I can see that easily taking up a session. And then the next session dealing with the force dome slash blades here, a trap doors, which I have left purposely, not the kind of opening doors, because there's a very unique trap set up here with barbed devils and darkness and having to have the proper, uh, knowing the proper name and symbol of, of the wizards. Uh, you only have to get through one door, though. Like parking spaces for the wizards, but magic doors. Uh, I haven't quite filled out these side rooms yet, nor am I sure I want to. I may just keep it, I may actually close these two areas off. And then the balcony, I mean, you could use that, I guess, as a, as a quick escape path. Because I don't think there's actually a formal uh, path to get to the Mythalar that's not just exiting this whole channel. Like, I don't know if there's like an elevator or some kind of quick system. I may have to come up with that so the players can get from the Eriolarthus chamber to the Mythalar without having to necessarily tediously backtrack through things. And make sure they get there, you know, at a decent time. I haven't really thought of that. So study is Q, which he actually does have Nothic minions with him, so that is something you can play with. Again, I would not use this final map. This is uh, my 19 Q. I would use a whole different area for that. Much more impressive boss chamber. So the balcony that amplifies your sound. Uh, the last two areas is a library and the stasis chamber. Stasis chamber is where the spindle is. I have not done the spindle thing at all. That To me, that was not the reason. It doesn't exist. The whole thing was Aurel um, draining the Mythalar, becoming a goddess. So I don't really have anything to do in this chamber. Fortunately, that's the only thing in here. So maybe this could be the elevator to the Mythalar. <laughs> Just barred. Uh, but it would... Yeah, so I, that's actually a good solution for this room. Uh, for Y19N. Could be... Mythalar access. Makes sense it would be in this final area too. So it would only require the Wizards of the Ebon Star. But the only ones that could actually like make it in here. You've After you've passed all the traps and trials to get here so that makes sense i can put a little magic elevator thing there similar to what they did for the spire entrance and have that be able for them to all get down there quickly and then the library could include some fun loot right before the big boss fight i could include the scroll of com the scroll of the comet which is a way they could deal with the mythalar or deal with whatever they wanted to do which you can read this scroll and this one i wonder if i would use my house rules or not 
cause a comet to fall from the sky and crash to the ground at a point you can see up to one mile away. It does say you must be outdoors when you use the scroll. Uh, Jason, was it you that said that you had somebody use the scroll? And I guess we hand wave that little stipulation. Because otherwise you wouldn't be able to use this in this campaign, right? The rest of the whole campaign is indoors. Nothing happens in the scroll is wasted. So I'd have to change that if I want them to still use the comet. 50 foot deep, 500 foot radius. Or I replace it with the scroll of the Tarask summoning, which is also hilarious. I think they normally are not supposed to get that scroll until after they beat Erelarthus, though. Uh, this fully charged staff of power. A spellbook tiled the incantations of Erelarthus and a scroll of Tarask summoning. Is what you can find in his final chamber. That one might be more thematic to like destroying Aetherin in general is just summoning this Godzilla monster, but that also kind of creates more problems for me as a DM in terms of, well, now they have to deal with this as, like, I can't just make this an epilogue handwave thing. <laughs> it's like the credits roll, this giant monster is rearing out of, a, of the bottom of Aetherin and destroyed everything, is now marching towards Ten Towns. As uh, On the Road Again plays over the credits. Or no, it would be... Um, that the Godzilla song by uh, the Blue Oyster, Oyster Cult. They say he's got to go. Go, go, Godzilla. <laughs> that one. Yeah, and only by destroying Arthas do you get to deactivate the force fields surrounding the spire and the Aether and Mithalar, which I think would also deactivate the Shardle and Golem and essentially turn off the entire security system of Aetherin and unlock the way to the Mithalar, which would then... And would then... Have, I'd have to make a final, final, final boss area that would be like, all right, now that you've dealt with Erelarthus, you've unlocked everything, now you can make it to the Mithalar room and chamber, which I'm hoping I can find a, a good third-party map that's got the Mithalar on there, and then come up with a really crazy final section that could include social checks with Avarice showing up with her forces, Aurel showing up with her forces, and then the players there, and then everybody has to choose how they handle this Mithalar, which is going to be you know, probably doing things every round that's going to uh, make that a more interesting, challenging fight. And I would love to create a situation where even the players are feeling the pressure to have to, like, sacrifice one of their own to try to absorb this energy or, or make some kind of big, dramatic call on how to deal with this uh, escalating threat, which is, of course, going to reach a important climax right when they reach it. Could be a giant brain. It could be a giant brain in a giant jar tank with the tank having its own ACHP. Yeah, there. That's kind of what I was leaning towards. Uh, effectively being able to add another layer of HP and AC to the brain for sure. Make it last a little bit longer. Just doesn't get completely demolished. It does have legendary resistance, so it can't get shut down like poor Baelish Gaunt did. Which <sighs> that was unfortunate. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Sometimes it happens. I did not give a magic resistance or legendary resistance, and that, that's what's going to happen sometimes. All right. I think that is going to do it for this session of a Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoyed the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shout out to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brennan, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Corico at 1337, Big Nut, John, John, Chris, Scott, Gene, Eric, Dan, Tyler, Nathan, Camp, Crystal Lake, Counselor, Big Shep, Andrew, and Daryl. And Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, Scott, Refus, Carolina, William. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you for D&D &D tomorrow.